there's going to be issues with end games as long as the game is playable. Um, if you can manage not to pull a CD Projekt Red, then that would be nice. <laughs> but <laughs> that, That's the new bar now. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 463. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. Well, I have finally decided to jump back into Ghost of Tsushima, although not necessarily for the legends, for the new game plus, and uh, and the trophies. The one trophy that I'm currently trailing just for beating new game plus. He brings the awesome, it's I yield to no one. <gasps> Hi. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do the show a little bit out of whack this week uh, because Alex is a little bit different time as he has something to do. So we are going to jump into our topics of the weeks before we actually do our news. But before we do all that, let's give you an updated trophy count. I am level 603, total trophies of 13,690 with 250 platinums. I got my 250th, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Alex? Level 439. Ooh, went up a level. Total trophy count of 7,143 with a platinum count of 108 and 107 games. Oh, yeah, I got a new platinum this week. All right, where'd you get your platinum in? Sea of Solitude. Really? That quickly, huh? I mean, it's not a long game. Okay. Yield? Level 432. Trophy count of 6,886. Platinum count of 112. And Sid is level 511 with total trophies of 10,069. With a black hat of 173. I thought one of you guys was going to do the 69 joke. No, I don't go. I don't go for that low-hanging fruit. All right. So let's get into what we're playing. Uh, Alex, obviously you've been playing Sea of Solitude. Anything else? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, I, I jump back into Ghost of Tsushima. I'm doing New Game Plus to try to get the trophy tied to that. There's also some new, there's a new vendor. Once you do New Game Plus, he sells a lot of really cool stuff. Masks, hats, armors, all that kind of stuff. And they, I think they used ghost flowers, which you can collect by completing, you know, objectives and stuff. Side story missions, story missions, journey, all that kind of stuff while you're doing your New Game Plus. So, you know, I'd say it's worth jumping back in to look at some of that stuff and collecting because it does, a lot of it does look really cool. And I'm kind of just prepping myself where I'm probably going to try to jump into Legends because, you know, every time I go onto the PlayStation Network and I see 81% of the trophies for Ghost of Tsushima when I did have 100, it kind of annoys me. I know it shouldn't. I know it's kind of going against my, you know, my resolution of trying to just be be done with the game and then just move on. But this is one of the games, you know, as one of my favorite games of last year and probably the last five years, I kind of want to, you know, just try every every single aspect of it. And that would include Legends. So maybe now that I've beaten Sea of Solitude and I have some a little bit more free time. I, I'm um, focusing. I want to focus more on you know try at least giving Legend a shot before just you know it goes to the point where no one's playing it. Um, the other game that you know we mentioned, Sea of Solitude, and I know that Yield had mentioned on Facebook that he was kind of interested to hear my opinion of this game because he's been looking into it. Yes. So I feel like if you read the reviews for this game, or at least the reviews that I read, it's pretty fair. Is that 
the gameplay kind of doesn't progress beyond the early stages of the game, which is kind of disappointing, but I feel like this game itself, the gameplay is just kind of a vehicle to tell this story. And, you know, you should... It's easy to glean what this is about, given the title and just kind of the visuals and just, you know, looking at a trailer, you should probably, you know, pick up on the fact that it's about, you know, uh, mental illness, it's about uh, depression, and, you know, that feeling of isolation, solidarity, uh, or I shouldn't say solidarity, but isolation. And the story of Sea of Solitude, the way, the coolest thing about the game is the way they present the, like, every monster in the game is is representative of someone who knows the main character or the main character themselves that is going through some struggle, which is why they look very monstrous, is that there's, you know, they have issues and they're trying to work through them. And, you know, throughout the game, you are helping, there's not really, like, boss fights per se, it's just you are helping these creatures or these monsters return to their normal forms and shake whatever has been bothering them or what they've been struggling with. So the presentation, and that's the thing that really drew me to this game, was the style, like, the, the graphical style, but also really the way they presented the, the the mental health struggles of the characters in this game. The fact that they made them these really cool looking monsters that, you know, it's a darker side to people. And just, I thought that the, the way they presented it was really cool. So if you're going to play this game, understand that the gameplay is pretty simple. It doesn't evolve a ton. It's pretty much, hey, solve a few puzzles, hey, platform. The platforming does get a little frustrating because it, it it's not, it's kind of clunky. But I mean, it, it's basic gameplay. It's not bad. It's just if you're going to buy this game, if you're going to play this game, it should be for the story and and like the tale that the that the writer is telling. You know, her experiences going you know with uh, mental health struggles and just you know those around her as well. So that's the real reason to play this game. You're not gonna if you're looking for a game to play with you know with you know deep gameplay and you know like a really tough game. This is not that. This is kind of one of those games like I would say like Abzu or something like that, and even Journey, where the the gameplay aspects of it aren't necessarily the at the forefront. It's the story and the way they present everything. So that's the real reason to play this game. And, you know, I know that in the reviews that I saw, people said they were disappointed, they really wanted to like it, and they just didn't. And, you know, maybe the simplicity of the game was, was more than they were hoping for. Going into it, just knowing that the gameplay wasn't, like, super deep, and then just kind of you know, drawing, not not getting drawn in by the gameplay, but getting drawn in by the story and everything, that was, I, I feel like I got what I wanted out of the game. It is an easy platinum. It's like a 2 out of 10 on PlayStationTrophies.org. So, you know, you there are some collectibles you'll have to go back and get through chapter select. But overall, I mean, it's a pretty easy platinum, and and I was happy playing it. I You know, I don't regret playing the game. I'm, I'm glad I played it, because even despite the pretty middling reviews, I still got what I wanted out of the game because I, you know, I had my expectations set properly when I went into the game. So, and for me, this kind of game is perfect. You know, I go from Crash Bandicoot, which is a really, really hard platformer and very frustrating. And I don't really like to move between, you know, 30 to 40 to, you know, 50 hour game. Like, I don't want to move from 60 hour game to 60 hour game. I don't want to go from slog to slog. You know, even though I do enjoy, you know, something like Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us Part 2, which I pretty much played back-to-back last year, I want to have kind of this palate cleanser, which Sea of Solitude is perfect. It's a short game. I got, you know, I finished it in a couple days. I got all the trophies within a week. I got the platinum within a week. And it's just kind of a nice way to transition from, you know, a larger game to another game. Like, it allows me to kind of breathe. And Joe, it's not a difficult game, but I just get to go through it and take in the story. And that's kind of exactly what I wanted. So this game for me was like, it came at a perfect time. And like I said, despite the reviews, 
and you know i knew the gameplay wasn't like top notch going in i knew it was pretty basic but i still got a lot out of the story and the way it was presented so i'm happy i played it um you'll that and that may vary for you depending on what you want to get out of the game but i, I the, the coolest aspect is is just the way that they presented everything and how they kind of it was like we're going to talk to you about a story of like mental health and mental illness and the way it you know has proliferated into many aspects of this person's life and it's just we're just going to tell you that story, and it's just done in a very novel way, and I, I enjoyed it. Yield, hopefully that answered some of the questions you had. It it does. So I'd say the reviews of the game, if you go read the reviews of the game, it'll give you a pretty pretty good idea of what you'll get out of it. All right. Uh, Yield? Yes, sir. You're, what you've been playing, sir? Uh, World of Warship Legends, Rocket League, and uh, Just Cause 3 and Ghost of Tsushima. Alright, and I have been playing, uh, I finished up Immortals Phoenix Rising, uh, I have to go back and get the Platinum, uh, playing Devious Dungeons, the EU version, uh, playing that for the, uh, Backlog Beatdown, and the Koi, uh, Shot and the Be Legit, and I played and beat, and I put an emphasis, beat, Spider-Man Mor- Miles Morales, uh, within the last week, although my trophy doesn't show it, you know, who I'm talking to out there. So wait, by beat, you mean you completed the story or you beat it like you got 100% of it? Well, okay, well, you weren't here. Uh, oh, you weren't uh, during Rocket League Saturdays. Which I guess is a thing now? No. No, it, 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 was, it was just we we played la- we played Saturday. Uh, but the point is, is I, I beat Spider-Man Miles Morales... Uh, and platted it in the same day. And because the trophy popped last year when I uh, was testing out if, if the trophies would auto-pop, uh, by rule, the trophy popped last year. So people are saying that I beat the game last year, even though I beat it this year. And they're denying me my point. It took away my point in the call your shot group. So uh, I'm just emphasizing that I beat it on the 15th. Even though the trophy shows I beat it in November. Even though I said on the show in November, that's what happened. But I'm not going to argue it. The council has uh, ruled, and I'm just going to play the rest of the year in protest. <laughs> the council has ruled, and it sounds like Tricky's real sore about it. Well, the council didn't rule. One person ruled, and the person that ruled is trolling me. Uh, doesn't even want to let me state my case, uh, because... The person that made the rule uh, has not listened to Trophy Wars in a while, therefore doesn't know that I mentioned this back in November when it happened. But they're going by the rule of the definition that uh, if the trophy popped in November, that's showing that I beat the game in November. But if you go look at the trophies, you'll see like 20 trophies popped within 20 seconds of each other. But I'm trying to play fair, trying to uh, play by the rules, and this rule went against me, and I just have to suck it up and. Suck it up, Buttercup. Although Yield agrees with me. At least he said he did last night. Uh, but that is what I... Doesn't, doesn't sound like he's backing you right now. Yes and no. I don't know. A lot happened between last night and tonight. I do remember saying that I kind of agreed with it. But you, the, the, the trophy stamp should also help. But also the rule is you need to take a picture of the credit trolling. So, which you didn't do. So there's a loophole. Well, I, I took a picture of me getting the platinum, which 
shows that I beat the game because in order to get the platinum, you have to beat the game on New Game Plus. So obviously, if I'm showing the 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 platinum trophy, that means I beat it and platinum it. But it is what it is. But we're short on time, so let's move on. This portion of the show is brought to you by Amazon. If you could and would, please stop by Proven Gamer first and click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and helps out the site tremendously. All right. So because it's an ongoing issue, we have more cyberpunk stuff to talk about. Uh, the article is coming from IGN and is written by uh, Alex's favorite author. Alex, you want to say his name? Well, first of all, I don't pick these articles for the show, except in the odd time that I write the agenda. But I'm I'm assuming you're referring to Adam Bankhurst. Yes, it is. Uh, Adam Badwaski, the head, the studio head of CD Projekt Red, has responded to a recent report regarding Cyberpunk's alleged fake E3 demo and development issues. He took to Twitter to respond to certain points of a report by Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, who uh, is formerly of Kotaku. Uh, about Cyberpunk 2077 and addressed the claim that the E3 demo was, quote, entirely fake, end quote. Uh, Adam goes on to say, quote, It's hard for a trade show game demo not to be a test version or a vertical slice two years before the game ships. That doesn't mean it's fake. Compare the demo with the game, look at the dum-dum scene or car chase or many other things. What people are reading, when what the people reading your article may not know is that the games are not made in a linear fashion and start looking like the final product only a few months before launch. If you look at the demo, it's different, yes, but that's where the, quote, work in progress, end quote, watermark is for. Our final game looks and plays way better than what the demo ever was. As for the missing features, that's part of the creation process. Features come and go as we see if they, are, if they work or not. Also, Car ambushes exist in the final game almost verbatim to what we showed in the demo. And if we get a little bit if we get a little bit more granular about our release, the vision we presented in this demo evolved into something that got multiple 9 out of 10 and 10 out of 10s on PC from many renowned gaming outlets in the world. As for the old gen consoles, yes, that is another case, but we've owned up to that and we're working super hard to eliminate bugs on PC as well. We know it's not a perfect version either and uh, and we are proud of Cyberpunk 2077 as the game and artistic vision. This this all is not what I'd call disastrous. Your comments, gentlemen. I mean, I, I get that what you show as a demo can can change, and that the course of a game can change. Like everything is subject to change. So, I mean, I don't really contest that. What I contest, though, is that. Really, it's the last line where he says this is not at all disastrous because, yes, this is disastrous. This entire launch has been disastrous. So I don't know where – I mean, I guess he's just trying to save face for the company. Have they admitted there's problems? Yes. Have they admitted that they fucked up big time? Yeah. It's all disastrous though. You can't say this is not disastrous. In the, the, there's more to the article about him responding to some of the backlash. Um, I didn't know if you were planning to read that too, Journey. Oh, I, I – wasn't, but you can if you want to talk about it. I mean, I think it's important, too, because he goes into the fact that some developers said that pushed back and said this game should have been released, and he's basically saying, no, it should have. Or you, well, Here, why don't you go ahead and... Well, actually, that's that's, that's the second article of, of this, so I, that's why I didn't go into that yet. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Yield, uh, what are your uh, initial comments about his statement? So, whoa. 
Don't know why that was going off. Um, <laughs> I didn't click on anything. Um, to call in that the demo, what was it? That it wasn't really a demo. What what he's basically saying is that when we often see trailers or, or gameplay demos mm-hmm. and stuff like that at a trade show, that's not always a final representation of the final product because the game is still in development when those are shown. Which is so true. Features can features can come and go. And, you know, performance issues like this may be, be cut because it's affecting this part and stuff like that. That's what he's basically saying. So my my biggest thing with the whole thing with Cyberpunk was they just kept everything under wraps about the old gen stuff. You know, it, it it's no lie. The PC version works really good. And that's that was everything that we saw in trailers and, you know, and demo gameplays of it up until launch. So it's it's disastrous because of how they handled it and didn't at least push back the old gen console or the old gen release. All right. Now uh as Alex was uh referencing in the other article, uh this other article is coming from IGN and it's written by Matt T M Kim. Uh, this one is entitled Cyberpunk 2077. Developers did not believe it was ready for launch in 2020. Uh, and uh, it doesn't say here, but they actually said that uh, the article actually said, okay, let me just read the article. And Well, hold on, Tricky. Before, before you start, I want to say that to, to kind of go along with the, the whole disastrous thing, we know how much money, we talked about it before, how much money like, it can value their stocks or how stock valuation, how much value the company lost it very, very quickly. Um, I can't remember when this was, but I think it was last week, and I was going to share it on the Facebook group, but I, I for some reason, decided not to. But GameSpot, uh, one of their news stories was that Cyberpunk has lost 79% of its players since launch. And some of those may be people who are waiting until they fix all the bugs. It may not be everyone who's got a refund, but almost four-fifths of your player base has stopped playing the game. How do you not call that disastrous? I, that's a good question. All right, so coming from the article, uh, in a report from Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, developers at CG Project Red knew the game was not ready for launch in 2020. According to one developer, quote, they expected the game to be ready in 2022, end quote, based on the progress the team was making back in 2019. Beyond just bugs and glitches, Cyberpunk 2077's overall performance playability on consoles like the base PS4 and Xbox One have been reviled. Uh, one hurdle it was that developers tried to develop the game engine and the game simultaneously, and a, a decision one developer at Cyberpunk says, quote, like trying to drive a train while the tracks are being laid in front of you at the same time, end quote. Uh, in a follow-up tweet, Schreier claims that despite promises from management that crunch would not be required, some managers guilted employees into working more hours by saying that other employees will work, work longer hours to pick up the slack, Salaries were reportedly low, with one Judy programmer reporting making about seven hundred a month. Uh, I'm just trying to skim the rest of this article to see if there's anything else. Uh, as for why early previews of to- Cyberpunk 2077 demo to the public events at like E3 2019 looked better than the final product, that because the demo was quote entirely fake according to the report. Neither code nor gameplay was finalized when the demo was made, and months were spent working on the fake demo took away from developing the full game. So that's just uh, the the previous uh, topic where we talk about the studio head responding. Uh, that's why he responded saying because Jason Schreier said that the demo was entirely fake and they wasted time making the fake demo instead of making the full game. 
Well, that also the second half of that first article talks about um, how they only talked to a part, a, a few of their employees. You know, the employees that said that it wasn't ready, and that you know only only one of which uh, was not anonymous. So, I mean, I, I well here, why don't you go ahead and read that too, Tricky? Because I think that that's important as well. Okay. Uh... Okay. He. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to get to the article. It says, uh, Badowski then responded to the claim that many Cyberpunk 2077 developers knew the game would not be ready for release in 2020. Uh, so we're going back to the Adam Bankhurst article on IGN. Yeah, I got you. Okay, quote, you've talked to 20 people, some being ex-employees, one of them not anonymous, as you just said. I wouldn't call that most of the over 500 people, uh, 500 people staff openly what you claim, end quote. Uh, lastly, he addressed the claim that the Polish-speaking employees would speak Polish in front of non-Polish staffers, which, quote, violated company rules, end quote, and made them feel, quote, ostracized, end quote. Uh, he goes on to say, quote, everyone here speaks English during meetings. Every company-wide email announcement is in English. All that is mandatory. Rule of thumb is to switch to English when there's a person not speaking a given language in a casual conversation. It is, however, pretty normal for Germans to speak German, Poles to speak Polish, Spanish to speak Spanish, etc. There are 44 nationalities at the studio. You get the point. When there's no one else around, when we are working in a multicultural environment, if the question if the question is if it's hard to move to another country, sometimes culture and work live there, then the answer is yes. But that's universal to every company all over the world, and we're doing what we could we're doing what we can to ease that transition. Uh Schreier responded to uh, Badaski's message saying, quote, CG Project Red chose not to respond to specific questions or make uh, Badas Badowski available for an article, so it's interesting they see these comments arriving now, end quote. He mentions that he does not regret bringing up the language issue as it has gotten a, quote, dispor dispor help me out here, Alex. Disproportionate. Thank you. I, I don't know why I can't say that word. Amount of attention is not particularly a big deal. Uh, end quote. But he also notes that Badaski did not address the, quote, brutal crunch and unrealistic timeline, end quote. Which, I mean, now that they're having to work super hard to go back and fix all these issues with the PS4 and Xbox One versions, are they essentially having to crunch now again to get all this stuff fixed? Yield? Uh, I don't know if they would have to crunch to get it done. They might be putting, well, I guess in a sense... Definition of crunch, probably, because they're trying to fix it as soon as possible. So, I guess, yeah. I think what happens with most game development studios is they get a little break after, you know, developing a game and putting it out, which you would assume that CD Projekt Red has not had a break since the release of Cyberpunk. Instead of, you know, having a break in between moving on to another project, that team has had to stay on and continue to work to fix these bugs. Oh, and that little news bit that I read uh, from GameSpot was from January 5th about them losing 79% of their player base since launch. So, I mean, as far as Badowski sitting here talking about, it doesn't change my opinion of what happened. I don't, like, it does nothing. Like, essentially, regardless of what he said, everything they did was still wrong. Like, you very clearly released a game that should not have been released and lied about it. You didn't come out and say, okay, well, we're going to release this game, but we didn't fully test it, so be forewarned. When you release something to the to the public for consumption to that people can buy, you are clearly... There's the expectation that it's going to be it's going to be functioning, and people aren't going to be just asking immediately for re refunds all here, there, and all over the place. You know, sometimes you'll have to ask for, for you know a refund for a broken product or something like that. But that this is a widespread issue, and they released it without ever 
like without acknowledging that they didn't play test you know certain versions as much as they should and then only in the aftermath that they got caught are they now admitting fault like i don't know Badowski and and the cd project red like they're you know the the people at the head of studio they can sit here and make all these excuses all they want but the studio still looks really bad and they still fucked up so what this guy has said, come out to say like i just roll my eyes because i'm like you're full of shit dude yield Try to keep your uh, excitement down, okay? Okay. That means we're going into Star Wars talks. Yes. EA no longer has the exclusivity on Star Wars games. Damn straight. Okay, to to be fair, I mean, granted, the new Battlefront games were kind of, you know, really underwhelming and pissed a lot of people off. But, give EA credit, they did do, you know, justice to Star Wars with Fallen Order and Seemingly Squadrons. Which, both of which games the Yield was very happy with. We'll get into that because uh, there's there's actually five articles relating to this topic, so I'm trying to get I'm going to try to get through them all. All right, so this first article is coming from Wired.com and is written by Eric Raven Ravenscraft. Oh wow, we're not oh. just IGN fanboys here. We're not just waving the IGN flag. <laughs> all right, it starts off. Today, Lucasfilm Games, which we'll get into in a minute, announced that it's entering a partnership with Ubisoft to create an open-world Star Wars game. The title will be developed by Ubisoft's massive entertainment, marking the first time that a company outside of EA has produced a Star Wars game since Disney acquired Lucasfilm in 2012. And in nearly eight years of exclusivity, also in the works is a new Indiana Jones game to be developed by Bethesda Game Studios, a newcomer to Lucasfilm's and Disney properties. Let's start with the Star Wars. Development on this new title is still very early. Massive is still recruiting for the project even, so details are sparse. Julian, Ge- Julian and I can't pronounce your name, uh, director of the Division 2 and the, the crew, will serve as the game's creative director, while the title will use Massive Snowjob engine. Beyond that, Lucasfilm's games has not revealed anything about the characters or setting within the Star Wars universe that the game will feature. This announcement follows yesterday's news that Lucasfilms is also partnering with Bethesda to create an Indiana Jones title, the first non-Star Wars AAA game out of Lucasfilm in years. This move marks a systemic shift for Lucasfilm's approach to gaming, widening the tent for developers that want to create games using Lucasfilm's franchises, particularly in the Star Wars universe. EA had previously suggested that the company would have an exclusive on Star Wars games for over 10 years. While EA will keep making games in the future, but Lucasfilm's games is is free to seek other partners, it's possible, even likely, that the upcoming Ubisoft Star Wars game will launch after the UA exclusivity agreement ends in about two more years. Now, there's more to the article, but I figured I'd give you time, gentlemen, time to say stuff. Let's start on the uh, Star Wars game being made by the same people that make the Division 2 massive entertainment. Are we assuming that's going to be a multiplayer-focused game? I'm assuming, and I said this to Yield last night while they were playing Rocket League, I'm assuming that because it's being made by Massive, that it's probably going to be a games-for-service game. I, I, I just want a single-player experience. You, well, you got that with Jedi Fallen Order. I know. I, I, I want that, that's, that's the Star Wars games that I want. I, I don't want Massive multiplayer online. I want single-player-driven games. Well, I, I get that yield, and you know, I, I think that if it had been a years and years-long absence of single-player Star Wars games, then I, I would get it. But also, you know, 
these companies don't just make games for you and I. They're also making well, I know for that. a larger audience. And I'm not saying you're ever you're like, oh, we'll make games for me and only for me. But multiplayer, whether you know you and I choose to play a lot of multiplayer games, is a huge part of the gaming community now. And it you can't. It's like you know, it's it's hard not to focus on it. So if they made a a Star Wars game that was you know did it right, you know, unlike EA, then it could be a big hit for them. It, so I get what you're saying. We definitely need story focused Star Wars games because you know then you get something like the um the Mandalorian where you know that that being that being made into a game could be a fantastic single player experience. Oh, it could be if if, if done right. Yeah. I think overall this is really good, and not not just speaking about like massive making it or Ubisoft taking it over. Like having Star Wars games developed by besides someone besides EA, and I'm not even just going to shit on EA because I did you know I did defend him and say hey they've done the right thing with the the licenses for EA the last couple of years or with Star Wars for the last couple of years because you know there was the whole Amy Hennig like the visceral all that kind of stuff, the shutdowns everything like that that you know it brought a lot of bad press to EA as if EA could garner any more over the years, but they managed to turn it into something positive, which was Fallen Order, and then they released Squadron. So, but even, like, being allowed or having more developers like Ubisoft or whoever, having more people to make Star Wars games is better because, you know, maybe the vision for one studio or one publisher isn't great, or maybe they're not going to treat as well as they should. Then, like, just having it in, like, competition between like different publishers or allowing publishers to share their own vision of what Star Wars should be or what Star Wars game should be. That's that's good for all of us because it's not just held under lock and key for one developer to or one publisher to handle now. So if one publisher is making bad Star Wars games, well, we can possibly have another one making really good ones. Yeah. All right. You you kind of uh went into it a little bit. So let's just start with our, let's go to the next uh link. In that uh, this is coming from IGN and is written by Joseph Scrabbles. Joe Scrabbles. Uh, as I mentioned when I was reading the other article, all Star Wars games will now be brought together under the single banner Lucasfilm Games. To announced today on StarWars.com, the company revealed that, quote, Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog and video games and its eye towards the future, end quote. It marks a similar move to Xbox Game Studios and PlayStation Studios, both of which group multiple developers, developers under a single banner. All future Star Wars games will now see the new, the, the new Lucasfilm Games banner displayed. Uh, Lucasfilm has now also dedicated Twitter and some Facebook support pages, and which will quote, which will deliver the breaking news and more and more directly to fans. No new games or teases were made as part of the announcement. The name is actually a return to Lucasfilm's games brand, which ran through the 80s and created the likes of Maniac Mansion, The Secret of Monkey Island, and more until being rebranded as LucasArts in 1990. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of LucasArts, but anyway. Uh, so there you go for that. Uh, the next topic that we have, if, if I could just, there we go. Uh, now we started talking about the Star Wars game a little bit from uh, Massive. Uh, this article is coming from IGN and is written by Matt T.M. Kim. Uh, following the news that Ubisoft Massive, the studio behind the Division series, will be developing an open-world Star Wars project with Lucasfilm's games, the company has updated several job listings for its Star Wars project, which hints on what to expect from it. Listings include mentions of action-adventure and RPG games, linear and non-linear storytelling, and more. 
The the recruitment page was updated this uh the, in the morning following the big Star Wars news. The page now reveals several jobs in very several jobs in various departments in gameplay, art, production, animation, and more. While details on Massa's upcoming Star Wars game remain spa- sparse, only official announcement that it is story driven open world adventure. The job indicates some areas of focus developers are looking into. Uh so there we have some news. It's uh. Well, the, there's there's yield story driven single player right there. I mean, I think we're just gonna have to wait until we get more details on on the entire thing. Yeah, but I mean, like if we if we can have something like you know I mentioned in a previous episode, Star Wars Battlefront Two for the PS2, a multiplayer focused game, and then you've got something like Fallen Order. If we can have like games like that of each ilk released at the same time or within you know a year or so of each other. That'd be great for everybody in the Star Wars audience. People can get their single-player stories. People can get their multiplayer action. Everybody wins. All right. Uh, EA has commented on the announcement. Uh, this article is coming from IGN and is written by Matt T.M. Kim. Today, Lucasfilms and Ubisoft announcement. Now, uh, uh, Ubisoft Massive announced the two companies are working together on an open-world Star Wars game. Blah, 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 blah. We already said this. Their quote. We are proud of our long-standing collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, which will continue for years to come. Our talented teams have created some of the most successful games in the history of Star Wars franchise, including Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Galaxy, Galaxy of Heroes, and Star Wars Squadrons. We love Star Wars and look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. Notice how they only mention the games that they've just recently done. They're bringing up, hey, this is our rich catalog of Star Wars games that we've done in the last eight years. They're probably shading that way, shading that way because they, you know, they realized that people were not happy with how they were using the Star Wars license for a long time. No, see, I, I'm gonna say this because Tricky's zipping right through this. I, I'm, I'm just trying to keep us under time so we can get Alice's full opinions. That's all. I know. So I, I either said this on the sh- on a later show, or I said it or earlier show, or I said it, it with a group of friends. That this is what Lucasfilm's games are doing is how I always thought Star Lucasfilm should do their games. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, whatever, whatever games they want to do. Is that you should have a central uh, hub, I can't really say producer or developer, in charge of the games. Pitch me your idea. You know what? I like that. You can run with that. You, but, you know, we, we've got final yay or nay on where we're going with this you know, creativity, I guess, and let different developers do their thing because competition amongst developers will breed better Star Wars games or better Indiana Jones games, better Lucasfilm games, period. And I just, I did not like, although I was excited that we were going to get Star Wars games, I was against it being an exclusive to one developer. Well, I don't disagree with you. And uh, just... Just to recap and get all the information out there, let's just uh, go into the fifth article. Uh, this is also coming from IGN and is written by Joe Scrabbles. Lucasfilm Games has an op- announced an open world Star Wars game. I know you guys are tired of me saying all this. Uh, on StarWars.com, Lucasfilm Games VP Douglas Riley explains that the recent Lucasfilm's game rebrand, quote, is really the culmination of years of preparing to come out and say, quote, we're here, we've got a team of people, we're going to make a lot of great games, here are some new things that you weren't expecting from us to do, and now we're starting to do that. End quote. Uh, another quote says, and that's going to continue through the next year or so. 
where we're going to continue to announce projects and more be that are more representative of the legacy of the old Lucasfilm games that we're now trying to live up to. End quote. Uh, these games will include Star Wars projects from EA, who previously held the license exclusively. While we may not have a lot of details to share at the moment, we've got a number of projects underway with the talented teams at EA. And it's not just a slate of games in development already. It's clear that Lucasfilm's games is now accepting pitches for games based on its licenses too. Quote, we're looking with the best in-class teams that can make the best games across all of our IPs. Uh, we've got a team of professionals here at Lucasfilm Games who can work with developers, shape the stories, shape the creative, shape the games to make them really resonate with fans and deliver across a breadth of platforms and experience that all our fans can enjoy the IPs they know and love. End quote. So it's basically meaning that they're going to be announcing more games over the course of 2021. So Yield, you actually, what you just said might actually be happening. I like it. Well, I mean, I think we've seen with Disney that their plan is basically to put as much Star Wars out there as they can. Okay, but now we, I, I know we are Star Wars, uh, you know, fans and fanatics and all that stuff. But let's take a moment to talk about the Indiana Jones game. We know that's being made by Bethesda. We also know that Bethesda was recently purchased by Microsoft. Do you guys feel that there's any chance us PlayStation fans will see this Indiana Jones game? So. Uh, a chance that we see it, yes. There's also a chance that it would be an exclusive. I I don't see something like Indiana Jones, Lucasfilms, sitting there going, it's an exclusive to this console only. Timed exclusive, that very well might be. But I like I said to you last night and while we were playing Rocket League Tricky, Tom Howard is associated with this project. And when he came out and said that Microsoft bought them, he said that not all games are going to be Xbox exclusive. So I'm kind of hoping that that was true. That just wasn't a our stock prices aren't going to drop because of it type statement. So I I expect to see this on a PlayStation platform. It's just when we see it on a PlayStation platform. Alex? Um, it's it. You was it was it Todd Howard or Tom Howard? I think it's pretty. I'm shaking. I think Tom it was Howard. Todd Howard. Sorry, did I say Tom Howard? Sorry. Yeah, Todd but I, at least because I didn't even think of the name until you mentioned it. So, um, but so for me, it's we don't know. I mean, I agree with you that there's a chance, and it would make more sense for Lucasfilms to want their games on every console they can get them on, because you know Disney doesn't need that exclusive any money that. Uh, Microsoft would give them for for you know, hey, exclusive to our console, but we don't know anything about Microsoft's plans. You know, they, they've said that hey, not every game is going to be exclusive to Microsoft, but we we don't know what their plan is for that at all. So it's only guessing conjecture at this point. A chance, yes, but who really knows? Who knows what Microsoft is planning and how many of their games are going to diffuse out? And when I say they, I mean Bethesda. How many of their games are going to diffuse beyond PC and and you know Xbox? All right. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say about any of this stuff? Or pretty much wrapped it all up. Happy days are here again. No, I, I think like with Yield, I I, uh, I think it's great that Ubisoft is going to be able to make games in the Star Wars universe, and that you know Lucasfilms is also going to allow you know they're do partnering with Bethesda for the Indiana Jones game. I, I think that having Star Wars and 
Indiana Jones and, and, you know, all these different like Lucasfilms franchises in the hands of multiple developers or them being willing to work with anybody besides just EA is a good thing. EA has done some good Star Wars games, but keeping everything exclusive to one publisher is not the best thing because it doesn't always lead to quality games. This, I think, will lead to quality games. And, you know, Ubisoft, Tricky, you posted a, a meme in the Facebook trophy or, or the, the Facebook trophy group about, you know, yeah, don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's basically, Hey, don't fuck this up. Ubisoft. I think that, you know, at one point I lost a lot of confidence in Ubisoft because of how they handled Assassin's Creed. They have since that point of, you know, just sh- like just shucking out Assassin's Creed game left and right as much as it could. They have done a lot better and especially shows in the quality with Valhalla. So I, as a publisher, I trust Ubisoft to do a good job with a Star Wars, whatever Star Wars game they're working on. Now, if it's massively multiplayer or a game for service thing, kind of like Division, there is definitely an audience for that. It may not be me and Yield, but I do think they could put together a quality game. Um, the, the I wanted to say that there are going to be some eggs out there. Not not, not every game that comes out or is going to be absolutely awesome. I, I'm I'm expecting that every so often. Someone's going to pitch an idea. They're going to say, go with it. And it rolls out and it's going to be a flop. So I, I hope that the gamers out there are just kind of like, well, this, this is just one of those that, you know, didn't make, didn't make the cut like we thought it would. But I also feel that the developers, now that it's in multiple hands, they are going to, not, not that they don't do their best, but they're going to do their best to make sure that that each game is their best because, you know, this might be their one shot to do a Star Wars game or an Indiana Jones game. And if it does flop, Lucasfilm Games might be like, yeah, I don't think we can trust you again. We're going to go over here. All right. So uh, that's going to end at the top of the weeks, but I actually think we can get through the rest of the show real quick because uh, we have some to- uh, questions. So let me just go through the news real quick because I don't really think we're going to really have much to talk about it. Uh, first, uh, these all are coming from IGN. I don't know. the. I'm not clicking on the link, so I don't know who wrote them. But Mass Effect Legendary Edition is reportedly coming out in March. Uh, J- Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order has been updated in new gen consoles. Uh, just to clarify, that is not next-gen versions. They took the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One versions and made them run better on the, the current-gen consoles. Hogwarts Legacy is delayed into 2020, and Ubisoft's Riders Republic has been delayed. No new release date for that. Uh, so that's all our news. So we, uh, we could have just went through that real quick. But I ha- we have some time for the weeks. So, Yield... I need to get that as like a ringtone or something. <laughs> All right. So from coming from Facebook, we have some questions. Uh, first one coming from uh, Nitro, who is a frequent contributor to uh, in the uh, Twitch stream on Rocket League. Thursdays. I guess I now know what Nitro's real name is. Uh, he says, are you scared of losing your 1v1 versus Brain? Hell no. Brain's going down worse than a $2 hooker on a Saturday night. He said the same thing about me, too, and I smoked him. I did not say the same thing about you. I knew I was going to get my ass kicked by you. Stop telling that lie. Well, then you maybe want to talk a lot less shit if you're going to get smoked. You were talking an awful lot of smack, and I smoked you. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. We, we clarified why that was happening. His next question says, when are you going to play some good games for points? Uh, I think uh, 
both Miles Morales and Immortals is good. What? What is that towards you or towards anybody in the competition? Because I always play good games towards. Well, no, he he tagged Michael Miller specifically. He, he tagged me. Oh, okay. okay. No so, government names. Okay, so he went right after Tricky. You know okay, what? You put cool. your name on Facebook and all these other social media platforms. You, it doesn't matter if we say it here on the podcast. I don't. Just fuck with you. All right. So Homer says, uh, and this is relating to our topic of the week. How many screw-ups are you willing to allow Ubisoft with the Star Wars universe? Correct answer is less than one. So I, I, I go ahead. No, Alex. no, no. You, you go ahead, Yield, because you, you were about to jump on this like a tiger on some meat. Yeah, you, you, you have some passion behind. Well, your- I, 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 I agree with his statement, but on that same token. As long as it does, as long as it's not like an absolute total fail, like if it's an absolute total failure, no, that was your absolute one shot. All right, but Alex. but but I'm, oh, sorry. I'm no, I, I was thinking how I want to say it next. I'm I'm allowing some hiccups. Absolutely, you got you got to allow. Hiccups. But 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 it can't flop. If it flops, you're done. So let less than one game is that like they start developing a game and then halfway through this they scrap the project. And no, no, he's not saying less than one game. He's saying less than one screw up. Like if there's more than one problem with Ubisoft Star Wars game, he's not willing to accept it. It's it, this isn't Star Wars thirteen thirteen. Too soon. Yeah, a little too soon. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, for, we, I, I don't know. Like how many how many scripts are will? I'm not going to like go into Ubisoft's like games thinking like that because. There's going to be some misses. Sony has, some, like, every game studio has some misses. But overall, like, as long as they are taking things in the direction that we want, you know, they're expanding upon the Star Wars universe and, and showing, paying homage in a good way and just kind of translating from the, the small screen to from the, the big screen into, you know, our video games. As long as they, they're putting forth the effort and they, they show the good faith and they're trying to, you know, trying to actually be faithful to the series and make quality games, then... You know, if there's a dud here and there, I can overlook it. It's just if you have consistent years where you're just, you know, trying to ham fist microtransactions in there to expand your profits or, you know, you're you're basically giving the middle finger to the to the fan base because you think they'll buy anything, then that's that's kind of where I draw the line. If you're cons- if it's a trend of co- consistently showing disrespect to the franchise with multiple ga- bad games or multiple bad decisions where it's it's clear that you're just shilling this out for the money or you're just throwing stuff out there to make money because you think we'll buy anything then that that's where you really go wrong but if you're just putting out games that have good intent and you know maybe they miss here and there like i, I can forgive that good answer i don't really have anything to follow that other than say uh with these new companies i mean obviously ubisoft and massive they've had some games under their belt they shouldn't have to make a good game but i think you're just gonna have to accept uh some freshman you know, mistakes that I, I mean, the when you deal with a game as pop or excuse me, when you deal with a, with a topic as popular as Star Wars, it's so easy to go wrong. Well, yeah, because everybody views it differently, so it's easy to get are just uh, uh, you know unreal. Yeah, so it's very Look at the easy movies. to drop the ball. Yeah, it's it's very easy to drop the ball. Well, look how divisive the, the, the movies are. Like some people love the prequels, some people hate the prequels, some people like the the sequels. You know, some people hate the sequels, some people love the original trilogy, and some people are like, "eh." Star Wars is just one of those IPs that it's so hard to make it right for everybody. So, 
no matter what Ubisoft does, whether they come out with a fantastic AAA game or not, it, it's it's there's going to be so divisive. So, I mean, your question, I understand you, you, the intent of your question, Homer, was saying, you know, how many scripts are you willing to allow? I I think you need to revise that question into saying how many, uh, oh, not even how many scripts, but how many, um, I don't know if there's a better way to word it. I mean, I think he got his point across. I think just the, the thing is, is that if you are making Star Wars games, not because you just want to make money, but also because you are a fan of Star Wars, that you want to make good Star Wars games for that audience, that's the right intent to have. And yes, you're a corporation, so you're also going to pick up something that can also make you money. It's like no one's, you know, it's, it's like, hey, um, no one's picking up some, you know, rat ip because they think they can make money off it they actually want to you know get big blockbuster ips like star wars so they can yes make money but it also if you're in that doesn't need to be your sole intent you're you're the primary driver of making these games is that the people that you're, you are making it for an audience who love star wars and you, there are people within your company who enjoy, love star wars as well because those are the, the best game when the games are the best is when people involved in the creative process actually have respect and a love for the ip they're making all right. Uh, go on to the next question, just because uh, we're getting to the point. Uh, Homer goes, what games, if any, did you pick up during the PSN holiday sale, and which games would you recommend? Uh, personally, I picked up Final Fantasy VII Remake and Immortals, which obviously you guys know I love. And I would highly recommend Immortals to anybody. Although somebody I talked to said they did not like Immortals because they did not like breaking the fourth wall. And it actually took them out of the experience with breaking the fourth wall. Uh, Yield, any games did you pick up or that you would recommend? Uh, I picked up the final season of The Walking Dead. I picked up Life is Strange 2. Uh, the Last Campfire. Uh, Yesterday Origins. Uh, Adam's Venture Origins. What were the other two? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, oh, a North Tale. That's not right. But the all right. Let's, game, let's, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I picked up like seven games. Any of them? Do you recommend any of all of them? I I haven't played. I mean, The Walking Dead. I'm wanted to finish Clementine's story, and that's phenomenal. Um, the one I was kind of excited to pick up was The Last Campfire because. It looked really cool. All right. Alex, anything you picked up or would you recommend? I actually didn't pick anything up, and I know you'll be real disappointed because that means I didn't pick up Onrush. Oh, you didn't get Onrush! But I, you know, I looked at the game, and I, as I was looking at the game's trailer, it's like, this looks really chaotic and fun, but also, I, I'm not in the mood to play racing games right now. Like, I, I'm kind of, and really ever since, like, Split Second and Blur, like, I've just kind of gradually moved away. I don't think I've played a racing game, so, well... That was not this is not a mass car kart racer like Mario Kart or Crash Team Racing, but the whole racing with real cars and even if it's arcade style, I don't know. Yield, I'm just kind of not. I'm a little bit over it right now. I I can't rejuvenate that thirst that I used to have for stuff like MotorStorm. On Onrush has been that that has been that price on sale several times, so it it'll be back. But it was it was a lot of fun. But I actually didn't. Yeah, I didn't pick up anything. Um, because Sea of Solitude wasn't on sale. I just bought that for 20 bucks because I wanted to play it. And the la the game I bought before that was Crash 
Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, and I bought that as part of the Black Friday sale. So, but I didn't, uh, I looked through the holiday sale, just didn't buy anything. All right, and uh, just for clarification, uh, last week I said Sea of Solitude was on PlayStation Plus. Uh, I was actually wrong. It's actually part of the EA Play, uh, not the EA Play, but the EA bundle that's now available. Well, it's also part of EA Play. That is it. Is it called EA Play? I thought maybe. I'm pretty sure it's EA Play. I don't know. That sounds right. Yeah, that's where I saw it for free. All right, so one more ad, and then we close out the show with some shoutouts. If you're looking for additional ways to support us, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash ProvingGamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it helps pay the bills and is greatly appreciated. And it's the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. All right, since Alice, you have to get out of here, do your shoutouts first, sir. Uh, give a shout out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trip Yours. Thank you all for continuing to support this show here, not only by listening to the show, but also in many other ways. When we do our Twitch streams on Thursday night, thank you to Nitro for joining in and, uh, yeah, yeah, giving, giving Tricky some shit, but also just supporting the stream in general. And, you know, whenever we make a good player, we know whenever we're down, always just, uh, just being supportive. So thank you, Nitro, for that. And thank you to anyone who supports us in any possible way they can, even if you just listen, even if you're just telling friends about the show, we greatly appreciate it because it's allow, it allows us to expand our influence and to get on more platforms, which, at this point, I don't know how many other platforms we can get this show on, but also give a shout out to Tricky to, to Yield for recording early tonight. I've got a virtual birthday party to for one of my best friends to attend, so I wanted to still join the guys to put out a podcast for you all, but I, I'm appreciative that they were willing to record an hour earlier and kind of try to dart through this so that we didn't have a two-hour show, and at the last minute, I was trying to log on to that. So uh, to thank you, Tricky and Yield, and last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley, who um, she's very good and accepting about how much I love to play Pokemon Go. So yesterday, we went out and we did the Machop <laughs> Community Day, and I caught a bunch of shiny Machops and some some good Machops. If you play Pokemon Go, I got I got 100% IV Machamp, which is pretty great for me. Um, but we went out, and she always kind of puts up really well. She's always a very good soldier when I go out and play Pokemon Go on the community days because sometimes they last for six hours. We're not always out for the six hours, uh, but she's always a good sport about it. Yield your shout-out, sir. I will give a shout-out to the fans. Thank you for listening and downloading and interacting with us. Shout-out to Nitro for being our uh, uh, Rocket League fan. Uh, Cheerleader and Tricky Basher. Uh, shout out to Alex for recording tonight. A shout out to the Albatross in the chat. Tricky. No, no, no. Don't even try that. Oh, no. It was quite ironic. So last night we went 15 Quick, and quickly, 15. Quickly, quickly. I, I am. I am. I am. We went 15 and four, which was very good. Three of the four losses, Tricky jumped into the chat and the game went south. Well, no, the last one we only got beat by one, but the other three went, or the other two went south bad. So he's he's a bad luck charm. I'm just telling you. Uh, no, I have a theory about that, but we'll get into it another. Time. Well, ho- hold on. Also, I do want to clear this up. Tricky referred to someone as the weak link in the in our trophy or our chat for Rocket League that we have going with Homer. Who's the weak link, Tricky? He was taking a you shot at you. Thirteen and one without you. You don't think that other factors like the teams they get randomly matched up have anything to do with that? Nope. 
it's solely because you screw up yield and his goal scoring. I watch the clips. I see what happens. Oh, jeez. Including, uh, but I have to give a shout out. Uh, as you guys listen to the show, go check out the TikTok because I'm gonna post a very, very, very epic save that Yield made. That Alex, I have to say that was the best save I've ever done. You, even you'll give me like major props for it. I actually did go watch the video. Yeah, because you did it like you did a flip from behind. You had to get in position, like drive straight into the goal, and just kind of flip from behind to get it. That that was oh, I was like super stoked. Anyway. Uh, shout out to anybody who watches this play. Uh, a shout out, even though I lose my cool at times. Uh, shout out <laughs> to, uh, uh, yeah, I said Tricky. I said Alex. Oh, shout out to Hummer and the Brain for being teammates on Rocket League Thursdays. And that's it. Peace out. And I want to give a shout out to the goddess. Uh, shout out to Sweet Mama D. Thank you to all the fans. A big fucking terp you Nitro for all the shit he gives me, but I still love him. Uh, if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. See ya. Later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. 